Well, you're very welcome this evening. And um, uh, for those who are joining us for the first time or uh, who haven't been here in a while, this is Metamorphosis. And, um, you know, we're focused on um, knowing God by precept and example. Um, so we dig deeper into the word. You know, we ask questions. We pray. We wait on the Holy Spirit. Uh, we practice the presence of God. We, um, yeah, and it's been, we've been having a great time. And, and this series, in this series, we're, we're focusing on the meditations of a new creature. And uh, we have a lot of the messages and CDs available. So um, uh, please take advantage of those. Hallelujah. Uh, the secret to a transformed life is meditation. Um, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, uh, the Bible says that as we all continue to behold in the word God's glory, we're changed into the same image from glory to glory. So you will become what you are beholding. Yeah. You will become what you are beholding. And in 2 Corinthians 3.18, the word beholding is a present continuous tense. So it is what you are beholding that you are becoming. Now the Bible says that um, when we are beholding in the word, the glory of God, we're changed into that image. So what we're meant to be beholding in the word is who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody once said that the word of God is like an almond, yeah? Or if we want to use uh, local parlance, you could say that the word of God is like a coconut, yeah? Uh, you know, a coconut has three parts to it. There is the, the fibrous layer, and then there's the, 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 kern, the, sh the shell, and then there's the sweet kernel on the inside, so he said the word is, uh, on the outside, that fibrous layer is um, the, the letter that kills. Um, and then the, the shell is the ethical or moral code of scripture. But the sweet kernel on the inside, which is who we are in Christ, is the true meaning of the text. Okay? You know, you can use the New Testament like the laws of Moses. You can bash people's head over with it. Uh, all it can be to you is just a series of laws that you are to obey. Okay? But that is not the glory of God. That is not what the Bible says that we are called to behold. Okay? Because if all you are doing is seeing scripture as a set of rules, um, then all it is, it is, it's a law to you. Yeah? Um, and it's even a more stringent taskmaster than the laws of Moses. But the Bible says that as we behold in the word, the glory of God. So the glory of God is the nature of God. It is the nature of Christ. It is who we are in Christ. And as we behold that, or as we are beholding that, something happens. We are changed. Change doesn't come by a decision. Change comes by beholding. Yeah? Change doesn't come by decision. Change comes by beholding. Now, we looked at the word transformed last week, which is the Greek word metamorpho, which is where we get the English word metamorphosis. Um, a caterpillar becomes 
a butterfly by metamorphosis, by eating leaves. And when you look at a caterpillar and a butterfly, they look so different. One is ugly, one is beautiful. Uh, one feeds on leaves, one feeds on nectar, as it were. One flies and one crawls. But they have the same life in them. Okay? But the, what the catalyst for transformation is what it's beholding, what it is incubating, what it is eating. Hallelujah. So the Bible says in the New Testament... We become what we are beholding. Not what we beheld five years ago. What, what we behold from time to time. What we are beholding. It says, as we are beholding in the word, God's glory. We are changed by the spirit of God. The spirit of the Lord is the one that changes us. But he uses the word of God. He uses the substance of the word to bring change. And the process of beholding is the process of meditation. And that's why in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 15, after speaking the word to Timothy, Paul said, meditate on these things. In other words, be beholding these things. Give yourselves completely to them. And then your progress will be evident to all. Your progress will be evident to all. Because that progress is coming from a fruitfulness that is spiritual. You know, on Facebook this week, I posted um, a quote from John Paul Jackson. And, um, you know, he had a lot of likes, which I like. But, um, you know, I noticed that some, you know, some people didn't quite understand the quote. And John Paul said that... Um, he said that reputation is the heaviest thing you can carry. Um, and he said the heaviest of the heaviest type of reputation is the reputation you build for yourself. Because then you're going to have to live up to it. And he said, um, he, he said um, uh, in fact, do not build your reputation. Let the Lord build. Let him build you. Let him promote you. Let him demote you. Let him hide you. Let him exhibit you. You know, there are times when the Lord will hide you. Yeah, he hid, uh, the father hid Jesus for years in Egypt. Okay? Um, there are times when the Lord will hide you. There are times when promotion is not necessarily what you need at the time. Okay? But, but the Lord wants to build your reputation. He doesn't want you to build your reputation. He wants the fruitfulness of your life to be from the inside out. Yeah? You know, a caterpillar trying to say it's a butterfly is not going to make it a butterfly. Okay? But when the caterpillar focuses on feeding, something will happen. Whether, you know, Fifth Avenue or what is our, uh, you know, whoever, you know, what is our equivalent of the, the well, whoever. <laughs> whoever in our local, you know, this day, you know, whether this day says you're a big man or not, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, because when, when you are fruitful from the inside, it doesn't matter. You know, Jesus is amazing how Jesus was actually very um, anti-reputation. He, he, Jesus is the only preacher I know who healed someone and tells them not to tell anybody. You understand? We would have it on. I mean, we would have it everywhere, you know. Um, Jesus was the only one who, you know, when he was being accused, did not even open his mouth. I mean, 
Can you think about that? But, but th there's a fruitfulness on the inside that irrespective of what people think about you, whether right now you are, you know, you are the top 10 or next year you are the top, the lowest 20, on the inside, that fruitfulness will stand the test of time. Amen. So God wants to build us from the inside out. He says, as we behold him, as we are beholding his glory in the word, we are changed. Hallelujah. We are changed. And one person that really uh, encourages me is the, is the life of Daniel. Uh, if you look at, if you study Daniel in the word of God, you will see, if you study it properly, you'll see that Daniel um, lived under the reign of about 11 or 14 kings. But he's only mentioned by three. Okay? And he did phenomenal things in the... Uh, in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, he had all this wonderful, I uh, interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream. But when Belteshazzar came to the throne, they couldn't even remember who Daniel was. And they went, they went to call him from where he was, and he was as powerful as he always was. So Daniel was happy to be known and not to be known, but the fruitfulness of his life stayed the test of time. Hallelujah. I don't know why I'm telling you that. That was not part of the message today, but understand this that God wants to build you from the inside out and transformation only occurs as we are beholding the glory of God in the word so if we are not seeing the glory of God we're not beholding the word uh, are you with me yeah if um, all we have is the ethical and moral code of scripture we haven't we, there's still something more that we are yet to see because transformation is when you see Christ when you see Christ in you, he is the hope of glory. He is the expectation that God has of the glory that he has destined for you and I to walk in. Are you with me this, this, this evening? So it is as we see that picture that we become it by the spirit of God. Hallelujah. What you see, you become. And the only thing we're meant to see is Christ in us, the hope of glory. As soon as you start seeing yourself, you begin to sink. That is exactly what happened to Peter. Peter was walking on water. He said, Jesus, if it is you, tell me to come. Jesus said, come, Peter. And Peter got out of the boat, looked at Jesus, and began to walk on water. He began to do the impossible. He began to do exactly what Jesus was doing. But as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus and started looking at the, the, the winds and the clouds and looking at himself, he began to sink. As soon as we start looking at ourselves, we begin to sink. Hallelujah. Yeah, because it is Christ in us who is the hope of glory. As soon as I start looking at your capability, your ability, your pedigree, your history, you begin to sink. The secret is seeing Christ in you. Hallelujah. It's seeing Christ in you. Paul says um, in Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So his identity, his consciousness was a consciousness of who was in him or who is in him. Hallelujah. And that's why he was able to do all things. That's why he was able to walk free of habits. That's why he was able to walk free of a history that plagued him all his life. But he was able to walk free of it and he was able to press into the grace of God and do phenomenal things. And that is exactly how you and I are going to do the same. It is Christ in us who is the hope of glory. He is the focus of our beholding. We have nothing in ourselves. He said, without me, you can do nothing. 
but with me you can do all things. Hallelujah. So we've understood that meditation is what the Bible talks about when it's talking about beholding. And to meditate means to ponder while talking to yourself. You are pondering on who you are in Christ. You are pondering on who Christ is in you. And you can't ponder without talking to yourself if you are meditating. Yeah? You must be talking to yourself. Your body must hear you say it. Your body must hear you say it. You know, scientists tell us that uh, your whole body uh, terminates, your nerves terminate in your body. That's why you can feel stuff. There are nerve endings all over your body. And every time you speak, sound, uh, vib sound vibrations go through your body. Okay? Sound vibrations go through your body. Every time you speak, uh, the, the vibration of sound goes through your body. And that, that communication is going into your body, into your mind. Hallelujah. And that is why it is important. You don't meditate silently. You meditate by talking to yourself. Your body must hear you say it. Meditation is not about the mountain that you want to command out of the way. No, it's about yourself. You are talking to yourself. You are speaking the word to yourself. Because that is the place where creation occurs. Hallelujah. That is where creation occurs. If it hasn't been created in you first, there's no amount of speaking to the mountain that's going to cause it to move. Hallelujah. Creation occurs within you. The Bible says that the kingdom is as if a man plants a seed in the ground. And should go to bed and get up and the seed will spring and go up. It knows not how. Uh, the earth brings forth of itself. The earth speaks about the heart of the man. It says that heart will bring something out. As you plant the seed of the truth of God's word in your heart through meditation, your heart will bring something out. Fruitfulness comes from the heart. It doesn't come from heaven. Hallelujah. Fruitfulness comes from the heart of a human being. When the heart embraces the truth of God's word, something is produced. Something is created. Hallelujah. And that thing that is created comes from an eternal source. So it doesn't matter the obstacle that stands before you. That fruit from your heart comes from an eternal source and has the very power of God in it and the substance of heaven. And as we know, no word from God uh, is devoid of the power to bring itself to pass. Hallelujah. So when that fruit, fruit is produced in your heart and you release it with your mouth, everything that it comes against must give way to the word of God. The, the, the very matter will respond to the word of God because it was the word of God that created matter in the very beginning. Hallelujah. And the word of God from your mouth is as powerful as the word of God from his mouth because it is the word of God. It's not your word. And believe you me, if matter was created by the word, matter will respond to the sound of God's word. It will. It has to. It has to. It has to. Hallelujah. And that is why the Bible says that God has given us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these, you might be partakers of the divine nature. It didn't say they are promises. They are exceedingly great and precious. Because it is God in a box. Hallelujah. It is God as a seed. Because his word carries his, his nature, his power, his essence. He said, I have exalted my word above my name. So when you seek him, seek his word because his word is him. Hallelujah. You can't separate God from his word. 
You can't separate the power of God from the power of his word. Hallelujah. Because he said, I have exalted my word above my name. Hallelujah. So what we do with the word is going to determine what comes out of our lives. Because that is God given to us. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, with that in mind, uh, we've been, you know, Christianity is called the great confession. The great confession. The confession, uh, Jesus said that upon this rock I will build my church. Uh, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, and the rock is the revelation of Christ as uh, the son of God. Hallelujah. So Christianity is called the great confession. Uh, but I also believe that um, I'll not do that uh, uh, understanding any injustice if I called Christianity the great meditation. Hallelujah. I, I, I call it the great meditation. Be because Christianity is about meditation. It's about meditation. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that we become what we behold. And the whole essence of the new creation is to behold him. So we can become him. Christianity is the great meditation. Hallelujah. The great meditation. So we have been looking at the things that a new creation meditates on. Because we may have the butterfly life. But we are born caterpillars. We are all born caterpillars. Hallelujah. We are all born caterpillars. We have the, the nature of God on the inside of us. But we are born as caterpillars. And the whole vision and purpose of God for you and I is to become the butterflies that he has created us to be. Yeah? And it is meditation that gets us there. So meditation is the single most important practice that any believer can participate in. It is the single most important practice that any believer can participate in. Hallelujah. It is the beginning. It's the door. And it all begins with the word. So we've been looking at um, different aspects of meditation, uh, but today uh, we're going to delve straight into it. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, this is where we left off um, a few weeks ago. And as we're going through this, uh, we're looking at the meditation of a new creature, but we're also looking at the, the, you know, we're looking at it practically, how we meditate, uh, how we meditate in the word, yeah? Uh, so we're not just talking about, oh, go meditate on these things, we're, we're, we're going through that process, Amen. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read from the New King James Version. Verse 16 says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Okay. Um, the New Living Translation of that passage Yes. Verse 16 says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, whenever you meditate, 
you are you are making it personal you're doing you meditate in the first person um, because words paint pictures so you are creating a picture of yourself you need to be in the picture if if you're not in the picture you're not meditating you need to be in the picture because beholding the Lord is about who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. So you are in the picture. Yeah? So the Bible says that we have stopped evaluating people from a human point of view. Um, if we evaluated, we used to evaluate Jesus from a human point of view. And that was why a lot of people could not receive the ministry of Jesus. Because when Jesus, for instance, was in the synagogue and he, and he opened the book and said, The Spirit of God is upon me. He has anointed me to you know, preach the uh, gospel to the poor, etc. And he said, This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Some people said, Isn't that Jesus, the son of uh, Mary? Isn't that Jesus, the one that... We're not quite sure if he was legitimate or illegitimate because, you know, they weren't actually married when she was pregnant. Okay? Um, you think people talk bad about you. You know, people talk bad about Jesus. So, because they evaluated him from a human point of view, they could not receive of who he was. So, Paul says, we've learned the lesson that we should not look at people from a human point of view because there is more to you than you see. There is more to you than you see. So when I'm meditating on this, I'm saying I, I do not evaluate myself from a human point of view. There's more to me than I see. I don't evaluate myself from a human point of view. Now, from what point of view should I be evaluating myself then? It is important that we use scripture. The spirit of God uses scripture to explain scripture. Don't add to the word. Let the word explain the word to you. Because you might get into no man's land. Okay, because what we're doing here is not um, positive confession. You know, it is not how to win friends and influence people. It is not, you know, you know, all that stuff. No, it is, it is meditation on truth. Truth that is founded on, um, well, truth that is truth, really. Um, you know, it, it, because faith is, is founded on fact. Or should I say established facts from the word of God. The truth of God's word. Um, so our faith rests on revealed truth. Reality. Yeah. Because the word truth, aletheia, is reality. Okay. And, and so this is reality. So we must make sure that we, we comprehend reality from the revelation of scripture. Not from what we think is the next logical uh, uh, step. You know, it's like a young lady said to me years ago, she said, you know, pastor, you know, the Bible says that in the beginning, God said, let there be light. I said, yes. And she said, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I said, yes. She said, well, that means that Jesus was the first thing that God created. I said, no. Yeah, she, 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 she didn't, you know, she didn't let the scripture to explain. Let the scripture explain scripture. So the Bible says we don't evaluate ourselves from a human viewpoint. So how should we be evaluating ourselves? Now in, in verse 17, it said if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. But before we go there, um, how should we be evaluating ourselves? There is more to you than you can see. There is more to you than the flesh. Uh, look at... Um, Let's start from John 4, 24. 
Because oftentimes, as you are meditating on a scripture, the Lord, the Spirit of God will remind you about something else. Remember, transformation occurs by the Holy Spirit. So as you are meditating, you, are, you, you, you need to begin by inviting the Holy Spirit to come and help you. Uh, Lord, I, I can't change myself. Uh, I, I can't even see on my own. Holy Spirit, show me Jesus in the word. It is Jesus I want to see. I want to see who I am in Christ. I want to see who Christ is in me. Reveal Jesus to me. And then take that verse, receive it into your mind, and begin to see yourself in it, and begin to declare to yourself, this is who I am. I don't appraise myself from a human point of view anymore. I don't appraise my potential from my past. I don't look at my future from my past. Uh, and then the Spirit of God might remind you of a verse that you need to go check the Bible for. Um, so we'll go through that process. Now look at um, John 4, 24. John 4, 24. Uh, Jesus is speaking here to the woman at the well um, of Samaria. John 4.24, it says that, um, it says God is a spirit. God is spirit, rather. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It says God is spirit. God is spirit. God is spirit. Now, we know in the beginning, Genesis 1 uh, from 26, it talks about making man in his image and after his likeness. So, if God is spirit, then man is spirit. Man is spirit. God is spirit, man is spirit. So, when I'm evaluating myself, I need to evaluate myself from the perspective of spirit. Uh, look at 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The first person that sees it should read it out loud, please. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. You know how it is. Someone sees and thinks, no, nah, nah, I'm not going to say it first. Let me wait. Who's going to say it first? Okay. So it says, uh, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Uh, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, it, it, it's saying that man is tripartite, or there are three parts to us. Um, we have spirit. We have spirit. We have a soul, we live in a body, but we'll get to that. But we have spirit. So, when I'm evaluating myself, when I'm evaluating myself, who am I? When, I'm when you are evaluating yourself, we need to begin by evaluating ourselves as spirit. We're spiritual beings. Okay? Uh, you're not a, a human being having a spiritual experience when you come to church. You are a spiritual being having a human experience on earth. You are a spiritual being. So our evaluation, we need to evaluate ourselves from the perspective of spirit. We are spiritual beings. Yes, we have other parts to us, a soul and a body, but we are spiritual, spiritual beings. Um, I'd like someone to read um, uh, Job 10, um, verses 10 to 11. And somebody else, 
Hebrews 12, 9, and somebody, Ecclesiastes 12, 6. Job, so everyone's going to read the Bible today. Yeah, so you might as well get in first, okay? Job 10, 10 to 11. Um, we have Hebrews 12, 9, and Ecclesiastes 12, 6 to 7. So who's going to go for Job 10, 10 to 11? Okay. You have clothed me with skin and flesh, and you have knit me together with bones and sinews. Okay. So it says that, God, you've cuddled me like cheese and poured me out like milk. You have clothed, who? You have clothed me with skin and flesh. Uh, you have knit me up with bones and sinews. You have clothed me. That's an incredible scripture. It, it says that there are three parts to us. Uh, we've got spirit, we've got soul, we've got body. But this verse says that we've been clothed with body. So my body is my clothing. It didn't say the clothing for my spirit. It said it's my clothing. So I am spirit. And I am be I'm clothed in a physical body. I am clothed in a physical body. The other scripture, what's the other scripture Hebrews 12, 9. See, we're taking all of these and we're building a picture in our hearts. And you see, this picture, uh, you, you know, Jesus said something in, um, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, when he was talking about anxiety and talking about the birds of the air. He said, why do you take thoughts saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink? Every time you say a thought, you take it. Every time you say a thought, it registers in your heart, okay? Every time you say the truth, it registers in your heart. But the more you say it, the more it registers. We want it to become who you are. We want it to become um, the picture, we want that thought to become a, an established picture that now becomes second nature to you and becomes one in terms of your identity, yeah? So these things are things that we, we, want it, we want them to settle and become established in our hearts. So that if they wake you up in the middle of the night, that is where you respond from. You know, there are a lot of things that we respond from instinctively. Okay? And, and you know, these are things that have been established over a, a long period of time. There are certain things that you're very comfortable with. You know? I mean, no one can. It doesn't really matter when it, you know, when it comes up, you are ready to go. There are some other things that you're a little bit dodgy about. You know, you get me on the right day and make me... You know, but there's some things that are really established on the inside. Now, now, these things, we want them to be established. We want them to be established. And there's no way they'll get established unless they become our meditation. Yeah? They will not be established. They have to be established for them to produce. Are you with me? They have to be established... That thought needs to become fruit in your heart. And you will be the first partaker of that fruit. You are going to eat of that fruit first. Are you with me? Yeah, and then others will eat from it. These things must become established on the inside of us. It says, you have clothed me with skin and flesh. You have knit me together with bones and sinews. Hebrews 12, 9.
It says, since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, should we not respect our heavenly father who lives forever? Our heavenly father. You know, that phrase father is significant because in the New King James Version, it says, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we pay them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? The father of spirits. He's our father. We come from him. You know, when it says father, it's not just because he's the highest. It's because he's the source from which we have come. Okay? He is spirit. And the Bible says that we've subjected ourselves to our earthly fathers. How about the father of spirits? Yeah? Look at um, Ecclesiastes um, 12, um, 6 to 7. Someone else read that. No, Ecclesiastes 12, 6 to 7. Oh, okay. Go, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Sorry. Yes. Okay. So it's saying that serve God in your youth. Because at some point, the dust, which is what you are clothed with, you are just clothed with the dust. Every, I mean, every part of the physical body comes from, if you look at the, the uh, chemical composition, comes from the earth. Okay? Um, it's what we're clothed with. It says, the dust will return to the earth, but the spirit will return to God who gave it. The spirit. So, there, you are spirit... And you will return to God who gave it. In fact, the Message Bible translation of that passage says, the spirit returns to God who first breathed it. Who first breathed it. Remember what happened in the, in the garden. In, in Genesis 2, the Bible says that the Lord formed man from the dust of the earth. He formed man's body from the dust of the earth. Okay? But then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. That breath is spirit. God is spirit. The breath is not oxygen. Yeah? The breath is spirit. So that means that the inside of man came from the inside of God. And Ecclesiastes says that that spirit is going to go back to God who gave it. Now, now that is reality. That is reality. So when Paul says, we don't appraise ourselves from a human viewpoint. It means that when you are looking at yourself, you must begin by looking at yourself as a spiritual being that lives in a physical body. Yeah? Now, now, now that changes things. Because a physical body has capability. A physical body has the capacity for training. You can train your body to do incredible things. Just like you can train your mind to do incredible things. But if you are spirit, then it means that by definition, there is a scope of operation that is spiritual. 
that you should be able to operate in. In fact, you must operate in if you are operating as a spiritual being. A scope of operation that is not physical and a scope of operation that is not mental. Yeah? There is a sphere of operation that is spiritual. So when we talk about the spiritual world, it is not far away, it's here because you are spirit, so you are living in it. It is not someplace elsewhere. No, it's right here. Because otherwise you wouldn't exist. Because if you are a spiritual being, by definition, you exist in a spiritual world because a spiritual being cannot exist in a sphere that is not spiritual. It's like a human being existing in a vacuum without... uh, a suit. Your physical body can't survive in a vacuum. It has to be in an atmosphere that has the same environment as its composition. So if you are alive today and you are, that means that there is a spiritual world that you are living in that you can't see because it's spiritual but it is real. It has to be real because you're alive and you are spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're still on this verse that says, I do not evaluate myself from a physical viewpoint or a human viewpoint. There is more to me than you can see. And I'm building this picture in my heart that I have come from God. I will return to him. I am first and foremost spirit. I need to be comfortable with that because that's who I am. That is who I am. That is who you are. So as we are meditating, we are building this picture that we are spirit. We are only here to operate. This is not our final destination. We are going back to him who gave it. So we need to be comfortable with him and comfortable with the spiritual because we are spiritual beings. But, but where I want to focus on tonight it is really the scope. There is a sphere of operation of the spiritual man. And that's what we, we, must, we, we want to dig into. A few more verses that we'll look at tonight. Um, I'm, um, we still have a lot more people that haven't said anything. So we want to give everybody uh, an opportunity. First uh, Peter 3 verse 4. The book of Psalms 77 verse 6. And 1 Corinthians 2.10. We still have some more. First Peter 3, verse 4. Let, let's start with that. Um, in fact, start from verse 1. It's it's great that a woman is reading this. (laughs) Yes, go ahead. Okay. Um, You you know, that passage is interesting, uh, especially if you read in the Amplified, uh, because it it says, I believe, that don't don't let your adorning be merely external. 
So there, there, is, there is an external part to this thing. Don't let, thank God for the external beauty, but don't let it be merely external. But then he talks about the hidden person of the heart. The hidden person of the heart. You know, when the Bible talks about the heart, it talks about the internal composition, which is basically your soul and your spirit. So it says, let it be the, let your adorning, you can adorn the hidden person of the heart. And then it qualifies it. It says, uh, a meek and quiet spirit. The, the, the context of spirit here is not attitude. All right? It's saying that your spirit can, can have an adorning that is meek and quiet. You know, the Bible says that in, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. It says your spirit can be quiet. Such that there's a lot of noise around you, but on the inside, your, spiritual, your spirit can be quiet. Look at the next passage. We're building this picture. Um, look at um, Psalm 77 verse 6. Psalm 77 verse 6. If you've got the New King James or the Amplified... Yes, okay, go ahead with Amplified. Wow. It says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. This, this David speaking. These things we're talking about are not new. They might be new to us, there, but they're not new. It says, I call to um, remembrance my song in the night with my heart. I meditate and my spirit searches diligently. So meditation, I am meditating with my heart and my spirit is searching. So in meditation, as you know, I receive the word into my mind. It's going to get clearer in a minute. I receive the word of God into my mind and I'm pondering it to myself. But then what happens is that my spiritual man gets involved and he begins to carry out a search. Yeah, it begins to carry out a search. Look at the next passage, 1 Corinthians 2.10. Uh, let's read the Amplified again or any other version you've got. First Corinthians 2.10. Yes. Okay. Um, the Amplified Version puts it this way. It says, yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed them by and through his spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything. Even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. You know, the spirit of God dwells in us. And, and the spirit of God knows the things of God. As we begin to meditate in the word and mutter the word to ourselves, um, our spirits, by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to open our hearts to this, to spiritual things. We, we begin to get insight into the things of God. You know, um, the, the, um, the result of meditation is insight. Insight into who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. Light concern, the glory of God, the nature of Christ becomes clear to our hearts. 
Yeah? It, it says that as I meditate on my bed, um, I'm meditating with my heart and my spirit is searching. Uh, and we know also that the spirit of God knows all things, even the deep things of God. And he reveals these things to us in our spirits. You know, there are certain things that your spirit knows that your mind doesn't know. And when the spirit of God wants to communicate with you, his spirit is going to communicate to you by your spirit. Yeah. There is a sphere of spiritual operation that we must all walk in. But it begins with meditation. Meditation in the word is the doorway into a sphere that is spiritual. Um, you know, in the series before this, we talked about dreams. We talked about dreams and, and we looked at um, Job 33 that talks about the fact that how God uh, will use dreams to speak to you, to minister to you, to um, protect you. Um, so, so in a dream, you know, a dream is a, is a, should I say it's a, it's a, well, I, I was going to say it's a picture, but it's more than that uh, because it's, it's in motion, isn't it? Now, now a dream occurs in a sphere that is spiritual. In fact, a dream occurs in a spiritual sphere. Because as soon as you wake up, uh, you know, a spiritual sphere has no dimension. Okay? But as soon as you wake up and you're trying to get into that sort of cognitive phase, you are coming into a dimension of space and time. And, and the dream begins to disappear. Yeah? Because you are coming from a spiritual context and you are pulling it into a natural context. Okay? And that is why it begins to disappear. Uh, but as your spirit does diligent search, as you, uh, as you develop yourself spiritually, you begin to recall more and more of these dreams. And the communication that God intends for you, uh, you begin to receive. Yeah? You see, these things we are talking about are not strange things. Because we are spiritual beings. There must be a sphere of operation in our lives that is spiritual. And it's not spiritual because you are praying. That's not what we're talking about. It is a scope of operation. But meditation is the doorway into that. Yeah? Because what you are doing is, it's like a door. You are, you are taking the seed of the word. You are meditating on it. And as you are meditating on it, you are meditating on it, you are meditating on it, the spirit of God gets involved. That's where he begins. Because Jesus said the spirit will remind you of the word. And he's here to teach you the word. So as you are meditating on it, the spirit of God gets involved and he now opens you up into a new sphere. You begin to see things that you don't, that are not, uh, that, that, are, that, that are in Christ, but that scripture begins to connect with other scriptures and you have a bigger picture and you are seeing something that is substantial. Okay, that is the doorway. That is the doorway. That is the doorway. This is where it begins. Hallelujah. You know, in the beginning, the Bible says that um, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, it says the earth was without form and void and the darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved. He hovered. He was brooding over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. You know, creation begins with, 
with spiritual brooding. Yeah? Creation begins with spiritual brooding. Yeah? And that is why the creation must occur first. You know, when it comes to your business, when it comes to your life, yeah? When it comes to your business and your life, if you begin with one of the exceeding great and precious promises that pertains to that particular aspect of your life, and you begin to meditate on it, let me tell you what's going to happen. As you begin to brood on it, the Spirit of God will open the dimension of God to you, and the secret of that area will be revealed to you. Yeah, it will, it will be revealed to you. That is how it works. You know, when Elijah wanted revelation, we saw this at the beginning of the series in 1 uh, Kings 19, and he was, he, was, he was totally messed up, and he didn't know what to do. Uh, you know, Jezebel was after his life, and he said, God, I'm, it's over. No, I'm, I'm the only one that's left, you know. He needed insight. Uh, he fell asleep at a tree. An angel woke him up and said, you got to eat. She made food, or the angel made food. He ate. He slept again. He shook, uh, the angel woke him up and said, eat again. Because the journey is too long. You need strength for this journey. The strength is the word of God. That's where it begins. He said, you need strength for this journey. We want to know the mind of God, but it begins with the word. You want to know the secret of your life, but it begins with the word. You need strength for this journey. And the Bible says that in the strength of that food, he walked for 40 days to the mountain of God, and God gave him revelation. He said, Elijah, you're not the only one. There's 7,000 people that have not bowed to, to, uh, to Baal, and, and this is going to be the next king. This is going to be the next prophet. Go and anoint this person. Insight came, but it is a process. It begins with the word. It begins with what we do with the word. It begins with what we do with the word. Hallelujah. That is where it begins. That is where it begins. That is where it begins. Let's take a few more verses and then we'll close. Hallelujah. Look at um, Psalm 51 verse 6. You know, this works, but we've got to put it to work. We've got to put it to work. Hallelujah. We've got to put it to work. You got to put, we've got to put it to work. Got to put it to work. You know, I remember a few weeks ago, and I was sharing this with a couple of people, but I, I remember a few weeks ago, because I mean, I've, been, I've been praying about the church and sort of meditating on some things. And a few weeks ago, the Lord gave me a dream, and in that dream, uh, he showed me that there's going to be another, there's going to be a, another wave of people coming back home, happening very, that's going to happen very soon. And he said we should prepare for it. We should prepare for it. Now, it's not because we're an expert church, but because um, he, he, there are people that are coming, and he wants us to prepare for them. And in the dream, he also made it very clear to me that the devil wants, has things that he has planned for these people. Do you understand? Uh, where they, they are coming in with good intentions, but he has things planned to distract them. Yeah? And he wants us to prepare for them to help them. Uh, are you with me? Now, now that was a, that was a, there's no way, there's, I, I've not been reading The Economist or, you know, it's good to read The Economist, but I, I, I don't know, I don't, I, you know, I don't know what's going on. Do you understand? I don't know what's going on. You know, so this didn't come from me. 
Do you understand? This didn't come from me. It, it, it was a spiritual communication. Do you understand? And it should not come, it should not be strange to us that we are getting communication. He told me in the dream certain things about the church and people in the church. And you know, this, this is spiritual communication. The Lord wants to do that for you regarding your business, regarding your family, regarding your life. But it begins this way. Yeah? Elijah wanted insight. He wanted communication. He needed help. The angel said, I know you need help, but you need strength for the journey. It begins with the word. You would, you would see things. You will know things that, that are not the, the substance of the body or the mind. Yeah, Because we are spirit. And we must mind these things. Psalm 51 verse 6, Proverbs 20, 27, and Psalm 18, 28. Mm -hmm. The New King James says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will give me to know wisdom. In the hidden part, wisdom is revealed in the hidden part. Yeah? Hidden part. There's a part of you that is hidden. But that's where he's going to bring wisdom. Yeah? He's going to bring insight. The hidden part. So that means that our investment in the hidden part is very important. Our interaction with the hidden part is very important. The world structure is going to make it very difficult for you to have time to interact with the hidden part. Because the devil doesn't want you to interact with the hidden part. Trust me on this. The devil does not want you to interact with the hidden part. He's going to make it look spooky. You're not going to have time for it. I mean, in fact, the only thing you have time for is the physical part and the mental. That hidden part. You know, God, God ordained humanity to be the God of this world, as it were. You know, when it says Satan is the God of the world system, that's our position. And the only way somebody can be a God in a world is if you have access to a range of insights that the rest of the world doesn't have. That's the only thing that makes you, I mean, unless you're going to be fighting everything and you become the king of the castle. <laughs> All right? But it's only if you have, you have access. Humanity is the only creature on the face of the earth who has the authority to live in the earth, but yet has a scope that is beyond an earthly one. It's only human beings. Angels look from the outside. They're not physical bodies. They don't have the authority to function in the earth. They have to function through or to a human being. Humanity is the only creation of God on earth that has the legal right to operate in a physical dimension. Yet, their scope of operation is spiritual. You are automatically the God then of the world. <laughs> are you with me? And when Nebuchadnezzar threw three people in the, in the fiery furnace and they weren't getting burnt and he saw the fourth man and said, that's the son of God. Why do you think he knew he was the son of God? Because there was something strange about that fella. He didn't look like he was from here. Yeah? So, Satan will not want us to engage with that sphere of operation. Because if you engage in that sphere of operation, he has no, he, his, his activity in your life has come to an end. Because you have authority here. You are the one that can walk on terra firma. But yet, you, have, you are now plugged into the mind of God. How can he contain you? He can't. 
Proverbs 20, 27. And then Psalm 18, 28. I know it's a lot of verses, but you have a whole week to meditate on them. Proverbs 20, 27. And then Psalm 18, 28. Anybody? Yes. Okay. And then Psalm 18, 28. Yes. Okay, it says the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. So when the Lord wants to light your lamp, he comes to where? To your spirit. So if you want to see, it's the lamp you need to switch on. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Now, it makes sense because the Lord is spirit and you are spirit. So he's going to come to your spirit. And he's going to enlighten your spirit. And then David is praying. He says, God, light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. So he's talking about the spirit. The spirit of man is where light comes. Yeah? The spirit of man is where light comes. Yeah? Job 32, 8 says, there's a spirit in man and the breath of the almighty gives understanding. There's a spirit in man. And the breath of the Almighty, that's where the lamp comes. The breath of the Almighty gives understanding. You want insight? It is the spirit of a man. Hallelujah. That's where, that's where the light comes. So Paul says, we do not appraise ourselves from a human viewpoint. We do not appraise ourselves from a human viewpoint. So I appraise myself from a, from a, a spiritual viewpoint. I am first and foremost spirit. Hallelujah. And, and as I meditate in the word, my spirit interacts with the Holy Spirit and it gives me insight. There is a sphere, a range of operation that is open to me as a spiritual person. And that is what I should press into and I should seek for. Uh, are you with me? Um, you know, uh, I, and you know what I, one thing I've discovered in spiritual things is that um, um, knowledge, or should I say the knowledge of God, or the revelation of God um, in a matter uh, instantly brings, um, should I say instantly takes you to the next level. Just knowing that it's available to you, uh, you start working in it. Once you know that, oh, this is who I am. And that is why transformation occurs once we see by the Holy Spirit. Once you know that, oh, so this is who I am. You begin to walk in it. You begin to walk in it. So these things we're talking about spiritual things. Once you begin to appraise yourself from a spiritual standpoint. Uh, you know, I don't go to bed without having my iPad next to me. Because I expect the Lord to give me a dream. You understand? You can't, you can't, it won't happen. My iPad is, in fact, I'd have opened to my dream journal. I have a dream journal. I can show it to you. I can, I'll, I'll be up the page. Do you understand? Is open to me so that when at 3 a.m. in the morning, I wake up and I know that this thing is disappearing. <laughs> I'm writing it down. Yeah? The expectation. You know, that there's, there's, you know, we can't really go into all of this, but there's something about once you start appraising yourself properly, you begin to walk in new things. 
Once you start taking meditation properly, the spirit of God will begin to remind you of stuff. Uh, once you take time and, and start doing it, yeah, your spiritual man will start, will start growing. Yeah? And your sphere of operation will expand. Uh, and you start living from the inside rather than the outside. Yeah? These things are real. These things are real. Let's look at two more verses and then we'll close. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and Jude 1, 20. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and Jude 1, 20. Or Jude 20. There's only one chapter in Jude. Yes. Okay, yes. Okay, and Jude 20. Wow. So it begins by saying, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit prays. So, there are three parts to us. Okay? Body, soul, and spirit. Now, if you pray with your body, um, well, I mean, you're, when you're praying, you're using your mouth, etc. But there's another way of saying you can pray with your body. So, you can pray your feelings. So, you feel hungry, Lord, give me food. You feel like having that one, God give me that one. And then you feel like having that one, God give me that one too. And then, you know, do you understand? You can pray with your body. You can pray with your mind. So it's based on logic. You know, the Bible says that we do not know what we should pray for as we should. Okay? So um, a relative has been arrested and there's a risk that they're going to go to jail. So I pray that Lord saved this person from jail. But you know, jail might be the best thing for them. They might, their deliverance might be in jail. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says that don't try to save an angry man. <laughs> yeah? All right? You, you, you don't know what you should pray for as you should. But, but you know, it, it's logical to say, you know, Lord, just save him from jail. Okay? Uh, but jail might be the place that he, he gets the detox that he needs. It might be the grace of God. You, I mean, it's a bit like Joseph praying, God, don't throw me into a pit. Don't let them throw me into a pit. Meanwhile, the pit was the process of the palace. He needed that pit to get him to Egypt so that he become prime minister and save his people. We don't know what we should pray for as we should. A lot of our prayers is mental. So it's limited. But the Bible says that if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, my spirit, the Amplified says my spirit by the Holy Spirit prays. My spirit. So my spirit has a voice. So it is only when I'm praying in tongues that the voice of my spirit is heard. And he says that when my spirit is speaking, every word I'm speaking 
has its root in the Holy Spirit. Now imagine what it's like if the Holy Spirit is praying for me, through my spirit, for me. Are you with me? You know, there are things that you can pray about that you're not even aware of that will open the door for you. And Paul says, as you're praying in tongues, you are rising higher and higher. Has anyone grown taller by praying in tongues? Of course not. But there is a part of your spirit, of your composition, as you're praying in tongues, that starts expanding. And it rises higher and higher and higher like an edifice. So clearly it's talking about something spiritual. There's a sphere of operation spiritually. There are things that you suddenly become more aware of. Yeah? So suddenly your, your sphere, of, it's different. I, it's, you know, it's different. And that's why these things that we're talking about. Meditation in the word. And it, this is not a religious thing. It's just like bodybuilding is not religious. You don't just like, you know, like, okay, well, they said I should be, I should be fit. So, you know, I get up some mornings, you know, yeah. Okay, this is where I throw things in. You know, the other day I saw, uh, um, I saw Afi running. This is like, you know, I recently, I recently got a bike and uh, I, had, I got a trainer and uh, the trainer said, the first day, the trainer said, um, uh, so uh, meet me at um, Bodilon at five in the morning. I thought, what? He said, he said, meet me there at five. So basically, to meet him at Bodilon at five, I have to get up at 4.30 you know, and no, I, I drove to Body <laughs> You know, so he said, he says, meet me at, and I'm thinking, is this guy, is this okay? I, I, I thought, who, do, who, I mean, come on. He said, no, you know, you have to, if we're going to ride, we have to do it before the cars. So that morning, I get there at five. And the next morning was 5.30, but get there, I get, I get five. Now, what surprised me was the number of people that were on that Lekki Koi bridge at five in the morning. I mean, I, 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 thought, I thought like I'll be like the only one. So I'm, I'm riding my bike and then I'm seeing Afi. So I thought, oh, so this is how they do it. <laughs> you understand what I mean? This, I was like, what? You know, if you want to be fit physically, there are certain things you must do. You can play lead service to it and you can tick the box as far as your social network goes, but your body will tell you. Do you understand? And if you're serious about this thing, we will see it. Your progress will be evident to all. Yeah? Mentally, it's the same thing. Yeah? You, you can say, I mean, a lot of us went through school, at least when we did our first degree, you know, the school passed through us, we, or we passed through it, or the school didn't pass through us, or whatever, however it is said. But, you know, you got your first degree, and you got the certificate, but you knew nothing. It is possible. Do you understand? I mean, I had an engineering degree, uh, and I, I knew very little. But it was after 
I graduated. No one had to tell me my education began. I read more books now than, I've, than I ever read in university. Do you understand? And that's been going on for many, many years. All right? So, th- that's the same mentally. You can, t- you can get the certificate, but you know nothing. But if you really want to know, I mean, a friend of mine was telling me, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's in Abuja right now, and he was telling me that, you know, uh, everything is available on the web. He said, he, he start, I mean, I don't want to go into all that, but he, learned, he studied so much about every sector. He said, haven't you discovered YouTube? YouTube, there are lessons. There are colleges. He said, for, there was a period for six months. He didn't work. All he did was he educated himself on YouTube. He said, everything is there and it's free. You want to learn how? Go on, go on YouTube. So, you can be intentional about your mental development. You don't need a lot of money. It's there. <laughs> you understand? We're, we're, it's, it's, if you want to be serious about, about how, how to write a business plan, go on YouTube. How to, they will teach you. You understand? In like man, but there's people that just you know, play lip service to it and they're not, the progress is not evident. Spiritually, it's exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. If, if, we, if we are serious about this meditation matter and serious about spending time with the Lord and serious about you know, uh, spending time in the spirit, you, would up, your, your, you will grow like an edifice and your progress will be evident to all. People wonder, how do you do what you do? <laughs> do you understand? How do you do what you do? In the midst of, of confusion, there is peace. And not only is there peace, there is wisdom regarding what to do. Yeah? It is available to us. Hallelujah. Amen. And God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't respect titles. God is no, he would do what, what he does for one, he will do for the other. Amen. 